this is Angie. Welcome back to Money in the Bank podcast. So I actually don't have Brett with me here again this week. I know I've only done this one other time where I've gone kind of solo, um, and I know I haven't uploaded in a while, so I wanted to start by saying I'm really sorry. Um, Brett and I have actually been insanely busy, as I'm sure you can guess um, by our absence, because we're usually pretty consistent, but he's actually been traveling just a ton for work, which makes it really hard with our schedules to coordinate. And we actually have a big announcement. We are we will be relocating to um, sunny Florida for the, well, not just for the winter, but for, I guess, a long time. So obviously, as you can imagine, when you have to move your entire life across the country, it takes some time and it takes some work. So I'm really sorry. Hopefully that kind of explains our absence, but I wanted to kind of just come back this week and chat with you guys. And then hopefully um, by next week, you know, Brett will be back with me and we have a lot of really good content in store for you, um, especially with this move, right? That's been a, I keep joking with Brett. I'm like, oh good. Like we have so much more, you know, podcast content now that we can talk about, such as moving your life across, you know, the country, how to move for a cheap price, um, going apartment hunting again. You know, we're actually not buying a house right away down there. So we're going to live in an apartment for a while. So we got to go through that whole process. And, you know, the exercise of downsizing to move across country. There's there's a lot of great topics um, in there. And then as well, you know, I've gotten some listener requests. And trust me, I, I hear that. I will, you know, get to your topics just as soon as I can. I know one that's coming to the top of my mind is um, actually talking about doing your own taxes. Another one is, you know, deeper dive into budgeting and, you know, different different stuff there. So I, I got your emails. I will get to those episodes. Life has just been very crazy. But I wanted to jump on today and just kind of talk about probably a hodgepodge of topics, to be perfectly honest. But one I wanted to talk about was, you know, kind of like having a career and then making this colossal decision to, you know, change jobs and yada yada. So, you know, there, there's a whole background to, you know, Brett's been traveling a lot and that's been, you know, obviously that's not fun. Um, and so I, you know, started, lo- well, together we kind of like narrow down some locations, you know, where it would be good for both of our careers. And, you know, it it's amazing, like when you just put yourself out there again into the job market after like I had literally not considered you know finding a new job for years like I loved my job I love my manager and it's a really scary scary thing so you know maybe maybe this is kind of maybe I'll talk about interviewing um that's a good topic so you know how do you put yourself out there again how do you get a get a good job um you know I know this is a personal finance podcast but the big half to that personal finance or the majority of it is getting that job in the first place and landing your job and negotiating. So, um, you know, the first thing I kind of did when I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to be looking for a new job because like I said, that really wasn't necessarily on my radar. Um, you know, I liked my job. Uh, it's updating your resume. And in this day and age when you, I mean, I literally had not had to update my resume since college basically so just to give you a bit of a background you know I went to college and I was in a really great program for what I do and the career center really at my school really helped us with our resumes you know so they kind of helped us figure out what we needed to do with them and 
and helped us edit them and help us make sure that our activities were refined and applicable for, for what we were applying for. And then, you know, shortly after, um, right after college, I got into a job and it wasn't quite the right fit for me. So I wanted to get another job, but fortunately I had already interned at that company. So I had to do like a quick refresh of my resume, but obviously when you only work somewhere for, you know, nine months or so, um, you don't have to do like a huge, huge refresh because you kind of just add that in and take off some stuff. But, you know, leaving on some of my college ac activities was maybe still applicable, maybe not, but it didn't really matter. I already had that relationship and, you know, jumped back to a company I had worked with. So I hadn't really done a professional resume. And so I, you know, maybe I'll just talk through some tips. So, you know, obviously you still kind of keep on your college education or your education. Maybe you just, you know, graduated high school or you got a GED that, you know, needs to be on your resume. And, you know, typically companies actually still kind of want to see GPA. So um, even though you went to college a while ago, maybe um, leaving your GPA on there is probably okay. Um, and then as well as the year you graduated, you know, that's, that's all well and good. Now, relevant coursework is something that in college we were told to put on. Um, I don't think you need to keep that on as a professional person anymore because do you even remember what math like 355 was? If, if it, they ask you about it, and I promise you that the person you are interviewing with has no clue what that means. It's very irrelevant. So you can go ahead and pop relevant coursework off unless, you know, maybe there's a very niche class that is very specific that you want to make sure you kind of highlight. But I still don't think you need to put that under education. You can probably touch on that in relevant skills and experiences. So that's a kind of a good segue into the next section. So you can have your education. You can do... Typically after education, I actually dive into work experience. So what I'll say about work experience is you want to make sure to show a high level highlight reel of what you've worked on. And you want to put bullet points that are intriguing and use keywords and buzzwords for your industry that when you go into the interview, then they can kind of deeper dive into those points because you don't want to get into all the nitty gritty because the last thing you want to do is have a resume over one page. I promise you, nobody wants to look at that. So make it very concise, bulleted list that's just covering the highlights. And feel free to cover you know, quite a few highlights to really show what you did, but you don't have to go into a lot of details on your resume. You want your resume to be the highlight reel, and then you can go into details when you land the interview. So. Yeah, you'll do your education section, you'll do your work experiences. I typically, I think they typically say, you know, have your past two to three jobs. Um, but, you know, for me, I actually just did my post-college education because my time at like Mancino's was no longer relevant, obviously, to landing that professional job. So if you're younger and you don't have relevant work experience, it is definitely better to put whatever experience you do have than nothing. So I know when I was in college and I did not have an internship yet, when I was going for my very first internship, I did put my Mancinos and my country club work experience on there. And it was actually really beneficial because I was a manager at the pizza place that I worked at. And a lot of interviewers, you know, kind of asked me about that, even though it might not be obviously the same type of job, the fact that I was gaining leadership experience at a young age was something that they asked about. So 
you know, when you're younger and you don't have relevant work experience, go off what you do have. But when you're older, you know, let's say if I was out of college and I only worked at one place since I graduated, I probably would have only put that singular work experience on there instead of anything prior. So after that section, I think it's good to kind of dive into your technical skills or relevant, you know, if, you do, if you're in a field that does not have technical skills, then your relevant experiences. So these might be things kind of like outside of a work setting that still apply to your work. So right, Excel and like Microsoft Office skills are, you know, a really big um, kind of key point here. But, you know, something else that I've actually seen recently is that more and more companies are looking for these soft skills. So that's more your communication and organization skills. So this is kind of where I touched on, you know, maybe if you've taken these classes or courses where you've gained a particular skill set, maybe you don't list that relevant coursework, but maybe you touch on, you know, the communication skills that you've developed or the presentation skills, if there's a neat way to do that. Um, and also, you know, it doesn't have to be formal education skills. If you have taught yourself how to edit photos, for example, or how to edit videos, and you feel, you know, very proficient in Adobe Photoshop, even if you don't have, you know, technically professional education on that, that's okay. If you're self-taught and you actually know what you're doing um, and you can describe it, I will say you don't want to say that you are like proficient in Microsoft Excel and then have no idea what like a VLOOKUP or a pivot table is, right? Um, so I can speak to that one because I kind of live in spreadsheets. So I'm sure it's very similar with, um, you know, Photoshop. I am definitely not as well versed in Photoshop, but there's probably some basic things like layering, um, and I won't say any more than that because I'll just make myself sound like an idiot. But you know, there's you don't want to like say that you're skilled in something if you're not. So yeah, that's kind of the main stuff to include on your resume. Like I said, just a quick snapshot, and then you know, some people also kind of touch on hobbies or volunteer activities. I would keep this fairly short, um, but it can be good if it's either applicable in any way or if you just want to kind of show a little bit of your personality to the employer. Um, and then as far as references go, I don't, and this could be industry specific, but I don't necessarily put specific references on my resume, but instead I might include a line that just says references available upon request. And then kind of like the last thing, um, well, I guess the first thing, but people always ask about is an objective. So some people put an objective on their resume, which is usually just a sentence or two describing what you're looking for. This can be very good if you're targeting something specific or targeting specific companies and you really want to tailor it for them. That's when a cover letter might also come in handy. You know, I personally, I wouldn't write a generic objective statement if... I actually have helped out with recruiting efforts in the past. And when I get resumes in and the objective is like, I want a job. I'm like, of course, you know, that's why you're sending me this resume. You just wasted a very valuable line on your resume telling me something I already knew. Um, but if you have a specific objective of like, I think it would be very beneficial to work for this company for X, Y, and Z reason, and you have done like research on that company and you have a very specific targeted objective, then that would definitely be something I'd put on your resume because it would make you stand out from other candidates that you have really already thought about why you would be a good fit for that company or why they would be a good fit for you and why you want to work there. So 
um, yeah, again, the main things are, you know, kind of outline your education. If you have a targeted objective, your work experiences and your relevant like skill set. Outside of that, it is very important to use the right buzzwords for your industry. The reason it's so important in this day and age is a lot of times when you submit a resume, it goes through HR screening and filtering. And nine times out of 10, those screenings are actually written by a scripted code that kind of comb through your resume and sort looking for certain buzzwords. So when you see a job posting and they say, you know, these are the skills we're looking for and they have a list, you kind of want to phrase things in a similar way so that you can kind of make it past that screening. Now, if you're applying to a smaller company where maybe you can even like go in and drop off your resume or like hand it in, that would obviously be a very different story. But if you're applying for like a, any type of bigger company that has an HR department, which is obviously a lot of companies in this day and age, you want to make sure you're tailoring it to break through that initial barrier. So, all right, you submitted your resume and you followed all of these lovely tips so it went well and you get a call back for a phone interview um that's usually a first step in this day and age um unless you're maybe in town and then maybe you go in for a face-to-face but typically they do a phone screening or a phone interview first so you know what are some good tips for this well make sure that you can one answer anything that you did put on your resume if they ask about something and you're kind of at a loss for it or you can't explain it in more detail that's going to kind of be a red flag um and then beyond that you know some hr kind of phone screenings end up being very like ambiguous right like what are your biggest weaknesses so just try to be able to think on your feet and um, show your own personality and then the last Really important advice is prepare questions. So I know job interviews can be very nerve wracking, but you have to remember that you are interviewing the company just as much as they're interviewing you. Um, This was something that, uh, you know, as I was going through my job search recently, I had to really keep in mind because as I mentioned, like I love the company that I'm currently at. I have a great job. I have a great manager. I work with great people. And, you know, we're, we're moving, you know, for personal reasons and, and stuff like that. So it was hard for me to leave. And I knew that I wanted a specific kind of culture that I was going to be moving into. You know, I didn't want to give up a job that I liked and backtrack into a job that I didn't find as enjoyable. So you have to keep that in mind that it's not just them interviewing you. It is you interviewing them and take that time to ask questions and get a feel for the type of workflow and the type of company culture. Um, you know, just by asking, you know, what's what's the culture of the environment or what's your favorite part about working there or what's your least favorite part about working there, it can give you a lot of valuable insight into that company and what you might like or dislike about it. So that's, a, you know, that's really something to keep in mind is always have a few questions to, com- to kind of touch on when you're on a phone interview, even if you don't get to all of them, um, you'll at least get to some of them and it'll give you a little bit of a flavor of the company. So you know, hopefully that goes well. And then you get to go, um, you know, sometimes it depends on the job and the career, but usually after a phone screening, you'll have some type of in-person interview, unless it's very long distance. And perhaps they would just do another series of phone or or Skype interviews, depending if you're, you know, moving cities or staying in the same city. Um, so for in-person interviews or kind of that second round, it's a lot more of the same. So one thing you will find is 
you will find yourself repeating what you're saying a lot. And this can get confusing during um, interviews. You know, if you've had that phone interview and then you're talking to somebody else from the same company, you might think, well, I've already, oh no, like I've already said this and I don't want to repeat myself. But they probably didn't give each other a full rundown of what you said. So if they ask you a question, feel free to, you know, have the same response and just, you know, say it again. Or, um, you know, if you think like, wait, did I already tell this person that? You can always ask for clarification um, or you can just kind of keep going. And usually it's not held against you. Um, and then again, keep those questions kind of at the forefront. Maybe, you know, I always say make a list of maybe five to eight questions and then you can ask two to each person. Or it's okay to repeat questions, right? You could come up with two to three really good questions. And if one of them is, you know, what is your favorite thing about working here? You can literally ask everybody that same exact question because everybody will have a different answer. So, you know, that's a really good thing to ask and a really good thing to do. So, you know, then congratulations. You've, you know, made it, made it through the interviews and you did a good job and, you know, you knew everything on your resume. So you impressed them with that knowledge and you had really good questions. Honestly, I kid you not, having good questions will take you very far in this world. Um... Because like I said, I know you want a job, right? Everybody looking for a job wants a job, but you also have to make sure that you want that specific job. So know your worth, know your worth even when you're interviewing that you don't have to, you know, and that's the beauty. They actually always say it's easier to find a job when you have a job because you're not at the mercy of like, I have to land this job. So if you are in that position where you're like, yep, I really do need this job, you know, maybe it's a little bit different, but you still want to make sure you have as much information as possible about the company before you make the decision. So, you know, you always want to ask those questions. But so, yeah, you've made it through that and you get the job and they call you to tell you that you've gotten the job. Another very important thing to do in this stage is to know your worth. So, you know, make sure you go on Glassdoor or you go on, you know, potentially like LinkedIn or Indeed or whatever, and you know what that position is making or you know what that average income looks like from that job because you don't want to sell yourself short and you know sometimes companies will come back at you and and they'll give you a very fair offer right off the table and that that's a perfect world but um you know in in my job search i was getting you know advice from different people different people were telling me different things friends who had found jobs recently and they always said like you're worth what you negotiate for and i'm not the type of person that um, has an easy time negotiating. I don't like, you know, pushing back in that way or, or making it about money, I guess, because I never want to feel like my decisions because of money, um, which is funny, I know, because we talk about money a lot and saving money is obviously very important to me. But at the same time, I love what I do and my happiness is more important than money. So, um, you know, it's not all about money to me and it's not about, you know, making top dollar. But you also want to make sure that you're vocal and, and getting a fair rate wage, right? Because we hear stories all the time about people who are getting underpaid for the type of work they do, and that's that's not cool either. So, you know, make sure you know what that average is, and, and you can go out and, and find that information. That's what's nice about technology. You can go right on Glassdoor, and you know what that should be. So 
Don't be afraid to negotiate or ask for more money or ask for clarification or more details about their health insurance plan, right? That's that's all stuff that is very fair to ask about once you get an offer. So I would never recommend asking about pay while you're, you know, on the first round of interview or even the second round of interview. But once you kind of get to that point where, you know, you're talking about an offer, you do want to know what all the details look like. And in this day and age, that really does include 401k contributions and health insurance. So ask about that stuff and don't be shy and don't be afraid to ask. Because if you, if two jobs are close and you pick one, you know, maybe because it pays a little bit more, but then you find out that their health insurance, you know, passes almost all of the cost to you, you might have been better off taking that other job anyways. You know, when premiums can be $500, a $1,000 a month in the United States for healthcare, then that can be a huge swing with things. So yeah, um, just negotiate. Don't be afraid to, to ask for what you want. And um, so where else do I want to go with this? So yeah, I, I kind of mentioned things might be different if you're local or looking to make a move. So, you know, something else I kind of wanted to touch on is don't feel that you're limited to the place that you currently live. So maybe you currently live in an area that doesn't have a lot of options for what you do. Um, my field that I'm in is actually quite specialized. So the the city that I went to college in, actually, I could not have stayed there and done what I did. So I had to move right after college. And I interviewed in five different cities, I believe, right after college. And I ended up moving, you know, up to Chicago for a while before coming back to Michigan, where I, you know, have worked for, you know, quite quite some time now. But um, in my, like I mentioned, you know, in my field, it just wasn't an option, I guess, to interview in the same job and, um, or in the same city. And it would have, you know, I don't know, that, that wasn't the right decision for my family to, to stay here. So, you know, I, that was also another very cool thing is I was very willing to go anywhere. So once that was kind of on the table that I wasn't staying in the current city and I, we were willing to relocate, then I could kind of look nationally at all these different jobs and say, which ones are a good fit for me and my skill set and, and look at that. So sometimes if you feel kind of stuck in your role or you think, oh, you know, there's not a lot of good jobs for me where I am or, or anything like that. Um, you know, you don't have to stay, I guess, where you are. Uh, I think that's kind of like an interesting thing to think about, but you can move and you can go somewhere brand new and try new experiences and try new things. And I think a lot of times we think that's an option right after college. And then we think, you know, it's not so much an option once we kind of get settled in somewhere or once we, you know, get married. And I know or once we buy a house, right? Brett and I actually just bought this house two years ago and we were not planning on moving this quickly out of here. And it's actually been, you know, a little crazy, <laughs> a little overwhelming to think about all the stuff that we bought for this house that we actually don't need if we move. Um, but it's been very humbling as well. So that's been a, a good thought exercise to realize that even some of the stuff that we bought intentionally was wasteful ultimately. Um, but it's also, it was also kind of exciting to think, well, if we could literally move anywhere, you know, what sounds appealing um, and or what jobs, you know, sound appealing more importantly. So, you know, feel free to do that exercise too. And if you are in an area, you know, I think 
as somebody who lived in Michigan through kind of the great, or I don't know what they called it, not the Great Recession, but the recession that happened in the late 2000s, it was it was hard because people who were very skilled at what they did in GM plants here or you know automobile plants their jobs got eliminated and it kind of felt like it happened overnight in certain cases so people went from making very good middle wage job or middle class incomes to not having a job and having a skill set that uh, was a tough plug around here but Maybe they could have taken what they knew if they were willing to move somewhere else. And maybe it wouldn't have been in an automobile plant, but maybe it would have been in, you know, some other type of manufacturing or or something. And I think, um, you know, another thing to kind of think about when you're applying for jobs is sometimes it's not that you meet every single qualification on their list. I think sometimes you'll see job descriptions and you're like, who would possibly fit that category? That's very unique set of skills and maybe maybe somebody would but maybe you meet you know three out of five skills that they're looking for and maybe they're willing to train you on the other two so don't sell yourself short go in with confidence apply for things take the skills that you've learned from the job you have and go out on a limb uh, it doesn't it definitely doesn't hurt and you know I, I will say if you have a job don't just like quit it and then and then try to find one you know after that but if you can kind of try to bridge that and keep a job while you're looking for another one. And I know that's not possible for everybody, especially if you're looking to relocate. Sometimes you really need to relocate first to get a job because they want to see that city address. But, um, you know, and also humble yourself, I guess, if you're like, I definitely want to relocate before getting a job. And but I definitely will only want a job in my field. Like maybe it's not going to be possible right away. Maybe you need to take a job doing something else in the meantime if you can't, you know, get one in your specific line of work right away. And that's okay too. Maybe maybe it's a little pay cut, but maybe you'll learn new skills that you kind of never really thought about that can actually be applicable and make you a better worker overall. Um, and lastly, I kind of want to touch on being a good worker. So when you get a job work really hard. Set yourself out from the crowd by being the person that does a good job, that checks their work or or prides themselves on churning out a good product and find things to enjoy in your job. So, you know, I always say I've never had a job that I didn't like. Um, and I've worked at, you know, out in a stand on a golf course. I've worked at uh, Mancino's. I worked in the call center, which I hate being on the phone, so that was a weird fit for me, but I found something I liked about every job, and I found a way to motivate myself at every job. So, you know, when I worked at the pizza place, it was like, how quickly can I get customers served? Because when you go to, you know, when you put your order in a counter and you go and sit down, you you're happier the faster you get your hot, delicious pizza delivered to your table. So how could I maximize efficiency to do that? And, you know, maybe that actually meant reorganizing some things in the back of the kitchen so that we could be more efficient at, like, grabbing the pizza crust and getting it into the oven. Um, and take the initiative to do that because, and actually, instead of getting mad, owners and managers appreciate it when you do that because it's making their customers happier and it's making their bottom line better. So... Even at a job as basic as that, you can do things that set you apart um, and be willing to, you know, do 
a good job and do what needs to be done. So, you know, a lot of nights I would close and instead of trying to get there out of there as fast as humanly possible and maybe not get everything crossed off my list, I would, you know, make sure the floor was completely mopped and cleaned and and everything was taken care of so that when the opening workers came in the next morning, they weren't like, oh my gosh, you know, somebody left this huge mess for us to clean up. So even at a job like that, you should be doing things to, to the best of your ability 100% of the time or 90% of the time, right? Um, and then, you know, in, now I'm in an office setting and that's translated to, you know, help being able to answer questions or, or sticking around to answer emails or, you know, just the little things of like, be a good person. And if somebody needs help, help them, right? Help them any way you can and, and just do it with a smile on your face. You know, I think one thing that I will always remember is when I was in the job out of college, and as I mentioned, it, the, my first job out of college, it just wasn't the right fit for me. But I remember when I went in to put in my notice and, you know, I actually ended up giving a month notice just because I wanted to have a little bit better transition for them. And I remember they were shocked and they were like, how, what do you mean that you're leaving and, and you don't think this job is the right fit? Like you seemed so happy here. And I was like, well, of course I did, because why would I come into work any other way than with a smile on my face trying to make the best of it every single day? Because me not thinking this job is the right fit is nobody else's fault. And I definitely don't want to come in and like be grumpy every day and be like, I hate it here. And this sucks. Like that's not fun for you. That's not fun for anybody. And if you can stay optimistic, you're just going to be like happier <laughs> overall. So, you know, I that was a really good I guess, reminder to me to like kind of keep on keeping on, but, you know, always put a smile on your face and just enjoy life, you know, make things a game, make things fun. Um, as I mentioned also, you know, I worked at a call center that I, it just really was like a weird thing for me to do because I hate talking on the phone. I absolutely hate it. Um, but I made it a game of like, we were supposed to get, you know, get through so many calls a night or whatever. And it's like, can I, you know, push myself to take, fewer breaks in between calls and get through even more and to, you know, greet everybody I talk to in a, in a very positive way. And, you know, if they're, maybe they're annoyed that I'm calling because it was like, my shift was from six to nine and I would have so many people answer the phone and be like, we're eating dinner right now. What are you doing calling? And I'm like, why'd you pick up the phone? Like get back to your warm dinner, right? I'm sorry. Don't pick up the phone if you're eating. Um, but well, I didn't actually say that. <laughs> but, you know, genuinely, it's just like, greet people nicely and be like, oh, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. You know, like, don't don't let their attitude rub off on you. Instead, do the opposite. Let your attitude rub off on them. And, you know, any job that you have, just be an enjoyable person. Because when you do that, you're going to attract the positive things. And you're going to attract working with good people and working on good projects. And you're going to get the promotions. So, I'll kind of wrap it up with that of keep showing up and keep a smile on your face. And that's what's actually going to present new, better opportunities for you in the future. If you stay optimistic, that's how you're going to land your dream job someday. That's how you're going to, you know, get those raises or get those promotions. And that's how you're going to help catapult you to tie this all back to my lovely topic of personal finance. That's kind of how you're going to catapult your lifestyle and fund you know, your savings, right? That we always talk about. So jobs are a very important part of personal finance. So hopefully this gave you some good tips on updating resumes or job interviews or just kind of how to act once you get a job and, and how to be as a person. 
Um, and hopefully that kind of helps you with life. So sorry, this is kind of a weird topic. You know, I wanted something I could kind of just kind of touch on that was relevant um, to my current situation. As I mentioned, Brett, Brett will be back next week. We will likely be talking about moving across country and how to do that on a budget. Um, we will also probably do a episode soon on how to go apartment hunting in a brand new city, like literally a city that neither of us had hardly spent any time in, um, and how to kind of arrange that and, and do that. Um, and then who knows, we might you know pick up a few more topics in there while we're going through this entire process. And then hopefully we'll kind of get back to a much more regular and normal posting schedule. Uh, again, I really apologize that it's been a little bit choppy lately, but hopefully you'll stick with me and stick around and you know put up with this as we kind of go through a transition here. And then I'm really looking forward to kind of circling back and touching on more relevant topics for all of our listeners out there. So again, I appreciate you all so much. Thanks for tuning in this week and every single other week. You have no idea how much Brett and I really value all of our listeners. We love getting email from you guys. We love getting feedback. And so, you know, we both really do apologize for taking the break we've taken, but hopefully we'll be able to be back and be much more consistent. So thank you all so much again. Um, If you have any questions, I will link all of my contact information in so you can reach out to me. And, you know, always feel free to go to the website too and fill in any comments. And if there are any topics that you want to hear in the future, just shoot me an email. I will add it to my list and we will probably get to it in the new year. Thank you so much. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.